busy morning. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 19 for our scripture this morning. Revelation 19, reading verses 5 to 9. Will you stand with me? The message title this morning is The Great Marriage Supper. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunder, thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Lord, we bow before you this morning realizing, dear Lord, that this subject is so vast and we understand that there are many things that are difficult for us to grasp, but I pray, dear Lord, you'll help that the word that needs to go forth this morning will go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will be our interpreter the one that inspires our heart. Lord, that uh, you will bring to our mind the things that we need to know this morning. Continue to bless in this service and thank you, dear Lord, for your faithfulness to us. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So this is definitely not going to be in-depth uh, explanation, but it's going to be a sketch because uh, there are many questions, many things that could be brought up, and I assure you I wouldn't be the one to answer all those questions. But I think we need to have some grasp of what is ahead for us and praise God there are good things ahead for the people of God and we need to be able to rejoice in those good things God has a plan and God's plan is going to be worked it is going to be it is going to come to pass as God has promised and so the first point in my message this morning is the unfolding plan of God. The unfolding plan of God. And to start with this unfolding plan of God, I've chosen to go to Abraham. And so Abraham was called of God. Abraham obeyed. Abraham is known as the father of the faithful because 
he obeyed God. He went out not knowing whether he, where he was going, but he went because God told him to. And we find the promise of God in chapter 12 of Genesis and verse 3, and it says, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Emphasis on all. All the families of the earth will be blessed. So this is, this is the promise of God because Abraham obeyed. And because Abraham obeyed God, it was counted to him. Because he, because he believed God, it was counted to him for righteousness. And so those of us today that believe God through Jesus Christ obtain righteousness by belief. We believe and put our faith in Christ. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Uh, we find uh, also that uh, he was promised a family in 22:17 of Genesis it says that in blessing I will bless thee and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Hard promise for Abraham to believe because Abraham was 75 years old had no seed or son by Sarah who was to have a son and it was a hard thing for Abraham to believe but Abraham believed and God gave a son Isaac and we find the building of a nation as God blessed and God added to Abraham's family and we trace then, when we start with Abraham, we can trace down through his lineage, we can trace the people who God gave the promise to that there was going to be a special person that was going to be born. And that special person we call the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one. And so... Down through, the, down through the Old Testament, you find where God kept his word and kept promising. Interesting when we read through the scriptures and find all the promises that God gave and find where this Messiah was supposed to be born, uh, that uh, he was supposed to have a special uh, heritage. We find in Isaiah about him about how he was to be mistreated and so forth. But God kept his word. Jesus was born. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, our Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, actually, folks. He was a Jew born to the Jewish people. But the Jewish people did not receive their Messiah, did they? You see why I say this is sketchy? Because we can't spend any time on these things. 
You have to put together things you have heard previously and start drawing a picture of these things. But when Jesus came, he offered himself to the Jewish people and they rejected him. He showed that he is the one sent by God. We've been studying in our Wednesday lesson how Jesus said, uh, I'm the one and my witness is true because you have the witness of myself, but I have the witness of the Heavenly Father. Because over and over again, Jesus did miracles that proved he was who he said he was. He did things that only God can do. And so he showed himself to be the true one, and yet they rejected him. Remember, he rode in to Jerusalem, and, and they, were, they were saying, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. But it didn't last very long until they were crying, Crucify him. So we turn in our scripture now to the book of Matthew, chapter 23, and look at verse 37, where Jesus is overlooking the city of Jerusalem. And he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Here is the verdict. Verse 38. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And so they rejected their Messiah. They rejected their opportunity. And Jesus forecast that terrible things were going to come on the Jewish people because of that. So now we look at a scripture in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 11 and verse 25. And Paul is explaining something to us. <clears throat> For I would not, brethren, this is 11.25 of Romans, for I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. Now, this mystery that we're talking about is not something that cannot be known. It is something that was not known in the Old Testament. It was not known in the full outfolding of God's plan. God had only revealed part of it. Here's the mystery that's been ex being explained by Paul lest you should be wise in your own conceits or thoughts, that blindness in part is happened to Israel, to the Jews. They rejected Jesus, so blindness came on them until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Now, what is that, the fullness of the Gentiles? Who are the Gentiles? It's us. We're the Gentiles. Uh, everyone that is not Jewish is a Gentile. 
and the gospel then was shared with the Gentiles. Remember all the beatings, all the hard times that Paul had? They were not brought on him ordinarily by the heathen. They were brought on him by his own people. They were brought on him by the Jews because Paul would turn after he gave the Jews an opportunity to receive the message. Then if they rejected, and oftentimes they did reject, or when others began to say, hey, this is a good deal. We can have our sins forgiven. We can have a home in heaven. We, we're going to go for this. The Jews would see the Gentiles turning to Jesus and getting eternal life, and they would get jealous, and they would get mad, and they would say, you know, this isn't the way it was taught to us about what Moses said and so forth, and so they would begin to persecute Paul and whoever was delivering the gospel. And so the times of the Gentiles, we are in the times of the Gentiles. The times of the Gentiles, you under, did, you read, did you understand when I read this? Until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. It's not always going to be our time, folks. The same way that it's very difficult today to bring Jews to know Jesus, there are, there are Messianic Jews, Jews that believe in Jesus. And I want to give you a little warning right now because there are some that are on the radio and television and so forth and, and they're acting like that you've got to become Jewish in your practices to really know what Christianity is all about. And that's really not true, folks. Uh, we don't have to worry about the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, we don't have to worry about the Passover and all those things that the Jews had. We have the real thing. We don't have a symbol. We don't have a shadow, as it was called. We have reality. We have substance. Our substance is Jesus Christ himself. The same way we have to be saved is the same way that Jew has to be saved. They have to put their full faith and trust in Jesus Christ, not in any Jewish feast or festival. So I understand that those things are interesting. But don't be sidetracked to think that somehow we have to embrace all those things because we don't. All those things were fulfilled in Jesus Christ and he is our full salvation. So enough said of that. And so uh, what's going to happen in the future? Uh, well, here's a, par a possible partial sequence of end time events. This is a possible partial. I didn't try to put everything in here. The next thing we're looking for, at least as far as many of Christendom or many of many Christians, we're looking for the rapture of the church. You won't find the word rapture in the scripture, <clears throat> not, in, not in our language, but you do find it 
when it talks about being caught up. That in the, in the Latin is rapture, and that's where that word comes from. So it is scriptural that we are going to be caught up. You find that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13, and we've read these things many times. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole scripture. <clears throat> Here again, Paul is saying, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, to be ignorant does not mean you're stupid. It means you're uninformed. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to know what's going on. Brethren, so he's talking to Christians, concerning them which are asleep. No, that's not those that went to sleep in church. Okay? It's talking about the dead. It's talking about the dead. You go to, the body goes in a posture of sleep. Concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. So, Paul is giving them information to say that people that died before Jesus came back are not left out of his salvation of going to heaven. He says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which died believing in Jesus, which sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him. Well, their bodies are in the ground. How is he going to bring them with him? Well, the spirit goes to be with God. The real person goes to be with God. So you don't have to worry about being all cramped up in that box or being put in that drawer or whatever. Uh, the idea is that our spirit's with God. God's, Jesus will bring the spirits of those departed with him and that uh, the scripture says we're going to be caught up together together. Uh, they're, they are going to be raised from the dead. The bodies are going to, the old bodies are going to receive a glorified body. So we're going to look at Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, to help you on that a little bit. Chapter 15, where Paul is again speaking, and he says, This is what's going to happen. Um, I show you a mystery. Here we are talking about mysteries again. Chapter 15, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We're not all going to die. Some people would like to bypass the funeral home altogether. Some people will bypass the funeral home altogether. But we shall all be changed. We can't go to heaven like we are. Our mortal bodies cannot go. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible. These old bodies are going to be glorified on the spot. Um, and we shall be changed. <coughs> for, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, this old body... This mortal must put on immortality. Then it's going to be brought to pass the saying, and I'm skipping some words. Death is swallowed up in victory. There is no, there's not going to be any sting of death. There's not going to, 
There's not going to be any victory of the grave. And it's going to be through Jesus Christ our Lord. That seems to be the next thing that we're looking for on the calendar of events. Now, preacher, why don't you get more dogmatic and say, uh, you know, you'll hear terminology about tribulation. Are you, are you pre-trib? Well, you don't have to pay attention to that. It just means, is Jesus coming before this world is engulfed in more trouble than it's ever seen before? And a lot of us believe that Jesus is coming back like that. But I don't, I don't get dogmatic on that like some people do. Dogmatic means my way or the highway. Okay? What I preach is be ready. Be ready all the time. We're, we, we don't have to worry about what God's going to do in this world as long as we're ready as long as we're right with him, whatever he chooses to do. If he wants to take us out in a moment, he can do that. If he wants us to go through more than we think that we're going to go through, just keep ready. Just keep on being faithful and follow the Lord. So, we believe, according to Scripture, that probably the rapture is the next thing. But what if we, what if we get into tribulation? Well, we're already into some of that. What do we have to do? Keep on following Jesus. Keep on saying yes to the Lord. Keep on doing what he says. Make sure of your salvation. Make sure that you're born again, that Christ has forgiven your sins. Keep on walking with him and ask the Holy Spirit to fill your life with his presence so you can be, so you can, so you can be, uh, a threat to Satan in this world and bring other people to Jesus Christ. Keep on shining the light. Don't put your light under a bushel. But let the light shine. Let people see it and let people know you're different with it for a reason. You're not just good because you're good. You're good because you're a Christian. Because Jesus has forgiven you. Thank you, Doris. Those were good amens. So... Keep on keeping on, okay? And let the Holy Spirit have full control of your life. We call it being sanctified holy. When you turn everything over to the Lord and say you're in charge, okay? So we believe that when the church is taken out that there's going to be great tribulation. First, there's going to be tribulation. What's tribulation? Well, you can read in Revelation uh, where the churches are warned and then when it gets to the fourth chapter, what happens? John is taken, he sees a little window, he's caught up through that little window and he goes into heaven. We believe that's a picture of the church, that the church is going to be caught up to be with the Lord. And when the church is taken out, as John was taken through that little window into heaven, that this world is going to be inundated with a lot of trouble. The judgment of God is going to come. And if you want to read some real scary stuff, read in Revelation after beginning with chapter 4 with the, the vials, the bowls, uh, all the thunderings and lightnings that come and all that takes place. 
and terrible death, terrible devastation that takes place in this world. And terrible things that are, that are looked at in Ezekiel. Uh, Daniel saw some things that this world is going to see a very troubled time. So we believe that when the church is taken out, that there's going to be terrible trouble in this world. Jesus talked about it. Matthew 24, 31, he says this, and I'm getting back to it as quick as I can. 24, 31, he says, And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from four winds, and from one end of heaven to the other. Um, and I think I got the wrong reference there. Let me look again. Uh, 24. Twenty-one. That's why it's not the right one. So then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened. Okay, so Jesus talked about it, and there's many things that could be said about that. Then we look for the second coming of Christ. But I thought the rapture was the set when Jesus comes again. That's when he catches the church away. But that is not the second coming of, coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ we see in Revelation chapter 19 and verses 11 to 21. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Now it goes on to describe him. It describes his clothes. It talks about the armies which were in heaven that followed him. These armies do not have to fight a battle, and they, they can wear white robes, and they never get soiled. It tells how he, how he fights the battle of God. In verse 16, it says, He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Guess who that would be? Yeah. <laughs> That's the second coming of Christ. Uh, and there's terrible judgment that takes place on those who have not yielded to him. Uh, during that time of tribulation. So, uh, a lot of things there uh, where he deals with Satan and shows that he is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. The next thing that we look at on that I'm bringing out, which is partial, as I said, uh, is the millennium. 
Satan uh, in verse in chapter 20 of Revelation uh, is is put in a bottomless pit and verse 2 says he laid hold of on the dragon this is a great angel that lays hold on that old serpent the devil and Satan uh, and bound him a thousand years it's called the millennial reign of Christ and Christ rules on this earth for a thousand years a lot of questions about that and there again some people think it's all figurative some people believe that it has to happen that there's going to be another time uh, they believe that at the time of the millennium that we that are Christians that have been caught away to be with Jesus are going to receive assignments uh, to be over certain areas and certain territories that we're going to be in our glorified bodies. We will never have to worry about sinning or falling or doing anything that would jeopardize our place in heaven, but that there are actually going to be mortals on earth during that time. And that after a thousand years, Satan will be loose, the Bible says, for a short time. Uh, some people would put, uh, and I'm not going into this, but some people would put Gog and Magog in there at the end of millennium. Um, you, you've got a lot of different questions, and that's why I'm not dogmatic on it. I'm just saying live for Jesus and do God's will and let God take care of the future. Um, we're coming then. Everyone will stand before the great white throne judgment in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. And here's a scary one. I saw, the, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Can you imagine that? Here's a throne, and it's just suspended. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. See gave up the dead, and uh, read those verses that follow. Uh, hell is actually cast into the lake of fire, which is a permanent abode of the rebellious. No chance of getting out, according to what Jesus taught. And eternity for God's people, a place of blessing and joy. Uh, and we get to see a reestablishment of what was lost, only we are in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ who has redeemed us and who has set us free. So why would you preach on something like this, preacher? Now, I told you it's sketchy. Well, it goes back to a verse that we're going we're gonna to look at when we're doing communion. And it's back in the book of Matthew where Jesus says to them in chapter 26, and he says when he's having communion, when he's having the last 
meal with them before he's going to be crucified. He says in verse 29, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. That's the marriage supper of the Lamb, folks. Jesus never violated that. He never, he never partook of that. Why, why wait? Well, I tell you what, it's getting too late. That's, I guess that's another sermon. Uh, so the Bible tells us that this is going to be the fulfillment, the marriage supper of the Lamb, when Jesus will again take of that fruit of the vine. And I'll tell you the significance of some of those things that take place during that time. Because it's wonderful, folks. It's wonderful how it's spelled out in the scripture and how it's all going to be fulfilled as Jesus promised. Well, I say praise the Lord and hallelujah. He's a wonderful Savior. So he tells us in his absence, in our absence, because we're not in heaven yet, that we're supposed to remember him. We are supposed to take of this, of these elements, think about his suffering and death for us that gives us a right to be exempt from the tribulation, the trouble that's going to come on the unbelieving.